So I think here's good advice for evangelizing anybody who's committed to a religious belief system is to learn about their belief system so that you can understand, you can understand them, they can understand you, but also you could leverage the, the, the things that they hold to in, in ways that lead them to Jesus Christ. And so some examples could be that in, in Islam, Jesus is considered a prophet. So this is different than in, in some other religions where Jesus would be considered like a, a threat, right? Jesus is a prophet in Islam. And so there's like an open door there. It's like, let me talk about Jesus. He's, you say he's a prophet. Let's look at his words. You can study what the Quran says about the Bible, and you can use this as a bridge to understanding the Bible more, helping them understand the Bible more, like helping them see the value of the scriptures. But Muslims are also taught that the Bible is very corrupt. Okay, so it's not necessarily in the Quran, right? But they're taught, they have to teach this. They have to be taught that the Bible is corrupt because the Bible totally refutes, as it stands, refutes Islam in a lot of different ways. Um, Islam teaches that that Jesus was never even put on the cross. He wasn't crucified. He didn't die. Now, you could say, hey, let's look at historians. Um, historians actually would say that Jesus' death by crucifixion under Romans like Pontius Pilate, it is one of the most certain facts of history. Think about that. Not only does the Bible say it happened that way, it seems to be one of the most certain facts of history. Muhammad, who came over 400 years later, he wrote down it didn't happen that way. Why would I believe that? Why would I believe that? Because that same author says that the New Testament here is is God's word. So they go, oh, it's been corrupted. But they can't actually point to the... This is where it gets beyond probably a normal 15-year-old at least. You know, They can't actually point to the textual corruption in the actual documents we have that represent our New Testament. They can't point to the corruption. There's, there's no textual critic I've ever heard of on the planet who would suggest that the New Testament... There was, there was ever a version of the New Testament that didn't have the crucifixion of Jesus and his resurrection. Uh, these are these are not debatable things as far as textual corruption is concerned. The only, other thing I would actually encourage you to do, uh, I'll add to this, is actually to read the Quran. Um, I know some of you guys are like, don't tell her read the Quran. But <clears throat> here's why. There's nothing in the Quran that's going to convince you to be Muslim, okay? It's not that kind of book. Um, it's very difficult to read. It's organized oddly. So the so the opening chapters of the Quran are the longest ones. And it's for the most part, the book is organized longest chapter to shortest. Imagine if you did this with like the with the books of the Bible. I'm going to organize them longest book to shortest book. You know, and you've got like Jude and like Obadiah. You know, you've got like these short books at the end and then you have these really long. But then it would be so disjointed. Well, the Quran's like that, except the Quran's not even books. It's just chapters. So the chapters are like in different chronological orders. It's very difficult to figure out what's going on. But as you read it, it will be obvious to you that it's a very human, human book. So there's a, there's a part in there where Muhammad writes, as you're reading the Quran, you'll see it. Muhammad writes that, um, oh yeah, you guys asking, <laughs> sorry, sorry, my finger, um, I smashed it. That's all. I smashed it. You should have seen it like a week ago. It was like all blue. <laughs> the whole finger was. So I smashed it here. I got a little bit of a blood blister here. There you go. Uh, no big deal. I'm super manly, so I didn't even feel it. Okay, so what was I saying? In the Quran, um, you have this interesting stuff where like Muhammad says, God told me to tell you that when you come over to my house and you have dinner with me, you can't stay and ask questions about God. You have to go home because I'm tired. I didn't say it. God told me to tell you that. I kid you not, that is in the Quran. <laughs> like this is very obviously was written. You know, Muhammad's like, these people are bugging me, asking me all these questions I don't necessarily know the answers to. 
I have a revelation. This is exactly how Joseph Smith did it, right? Joseph Smith is the same way. He's like, oh, I have a revelation. Uh, God wants your wife to become my wife. Oh. <laughs> and so they put their desires in God's mouth. Muhammad wanted, at one point in history, Muhammad wanted to marry a girl. He had many wives, as, as a lot of false religious leaders do. They have many wives. Um, and that's the difference between, say, Christianity and these other belief systems, because we look at even the men in the Bible who were polygamous and we say that was bad, right? But Jesus, of course, is gives us a different example. And the Bible actually teaches a, a, a different standard of one man, one woman. But a lot of these false religions, they have lots of women because it was ultimately a man pursuing his lusts in the form of religious commands. So Muhammad had a revelation thing where he, he wanted to marry uh, his son, his adopted son's wife. And as I recall, um, what happened was they're like, well, you can't, you know, you can't do that because he's your son. That's incest, if, even though he's adopted. So Muhammad came up with a new revelation. Well, God has just showed me something. God has showed me that adoption is not something he respects. Adoptions don't count anymore. There, There is no adoption. And so he, he didn't just disown his own adopted son. He abolished adoption. There are countries, Muslim-influenced countries now, where adoption is not allowed because Muhammad wanted to sleep with this girl who was married to his uh, his adopted son. Those are things that you might be able to bring up and appeal to them to sort of realize the difference between Jesus and Muhammad. Uh, what was the other thing I was going to tell you? Um, be aware of their heart. Um, at, at the end of it, Islam is, it, it doesn't really teach that God is love the way Christianity does. And so they have a, a different view of God. They also have a view of salvation or of dealing with sins that amounts to like, are you good enough? It's not ultimately a grace based like Jesus. So you don't have the goodness of God ultimately in his love and you don't have the incredible grace of Jesus. So recognize that your friend's heart in a sense is probably crying out for those things. I feel like, I feel like my answers to you is, is only like 30% helpful. So I hope there's something there that you find useful. There's a lot more as you study it, you'll learn.